We begin a new series today that's going to go through the Christmas season for the next five Sundays, including today's five, five Sundays, uh, called Because He Came. And the question that we want to ask you each week is this, because He came, He being Jesus Christ, God, Emmanuel, with us, because He came, what difference has that made in your life? We're going to talk about, uh, over the next uh, five weeks, the difference it made in certain people's in the Bible's life. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, Chris is going to share with you on Christmas Day, and we're actually going to have some video testimonies as well that day about some differences it's made in people's lives as well. We're going to be looking at that. So that's the question to keep in mind as we go through the series, um, as we think about this, this whole thing. Uh, because he came, uh, what difference has it made? Today we're going to talk about because he came, a light has dawned. Uh, really, the thing that we have to preface everything else, because in Isaiah, the, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I don't know about you guys, but um, you can't not notice that Christmas is upon us, right? Uh, we were out of town over the weekend, or actually since last Wednesday, going visiting kids and doing the Thanksgiving thing that some of you did. Have, y'all have a good Thanksgiving, by the way. Uh, some of you are moaning, moaning <laughs> and uh, does that mean you ate too much and you're paying for it now, or I don't know what the deal is. Anyway, um, but I noticed that when I, we drove back into town yesterday, uh, right about 3 o'clock, right after that it started getting dark, and when it started getting dark, the lights came on. It was more than normal lights. Uh, people in our neighborhood and in our communities have lights everywhere. That's one of the first things you've noticed at Christmas, no matter where you go, is the lights of Christmas. It's one of the first indications of the Christmas season is the appearance of lights. Lights on trees, candles in windows. Uh, there's radiance everywhere, and everything seems to be wrapped in a million lights uh, like no time else during, during the year. In the same way, when you walk into a room, if you walk into a room and it now at 4.30 in the afternoon, it gets dark, you know, you have to start doing what? You have to turn on a light, because if you don't turn on a light, what's going to happen? You're going to run into the wall and get hurt or do something more foolish than that, you know. That's what happens because light, uh, you, you can't see anything without light. Now today we're going to talk about why it's so important that what it says in Isaiah, which is a precursor to the New Testament, uh, what's the big deal about life? Because Christmas contains all kinds of spiritual truths, but it's going to be hard to grasp any of the other truths we talk about unless you think about this first one, and that is this. The world is a dark place. And we will never find our way or see reality until we understand one thing, and that is Jesus is the light of the world. And what does that mean for us? Uh, John says that about Jesus, talk, calls him the light of the world. In John uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was, the, he was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He called him the true light. And, and the question we have, and when, when it talks about it in in, in Isaiah, the darkness of the world, what does it mean that the world was dark? What does that stand for? Well, the Bible, in the, world, the word darkness in the Bible refers to both evil and ignorance. It talk, talks about both things. It means that the, the world is filled with evil and untold suffering. Uh, look, look at what happened about the time of Jesus' birth. If you look in the Bible, you'll see there was violence, there was injustice, there was abuse of power, there was homelessness, there was refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, bottomless grief. Does it sound like anything we have today in our world? 
I think it's exactly what we have today. The world is a dark place in many ways in regards to evil. The other way that the world is a dark place is that uh, no one knows enough to cure the evil and suffering. In Isaiah 9, 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And it's a famous quote. Anybody know where it comes, what song it's in? By a guy named Handel the Messiah. Okay, it's in that. Okay, that quote is, it's, it's in that quote. Handel's Messiah, one of the most, talks about this prophecy out of Isaiah 9, 2. Now, I'm sure all of you are classical music fans, so that's why, you know, all of you didn't jump up and down right away. You want to give others, others a chance. But it's, it's a famous thing if you listen to that. And, and so, at the end of Isaiah chapter 8, which I encourage you to go back and read, not now, but later, uh, Isaiah chapter 8, you see the preface for what it talks about in chapter 9. Because it talks about, it explains why we need the light from God. In verses 19 and 20 in, in chapter 8 of Isaiah, it talks about how the world at that time, the people were consulting mediums and, and, and magicians instead of God. That was, their, their, that was their authorities in that day. The people that were the people that they thought, is, thought of as is, is people that knew how to answer the questions. And then the chapter, chapter 8 ends in verses 21 and 22 by saying this, distressed and hungry, they will roam the land, they will look toward the earth and, only, and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And then we begin chapter 9, which talks about the world which we just read a while ago. And what's going on here? They're looking toward the earth. And what does that mean, looking toward the earth? It means they're looking toward earthly solutions to the problems. And where do we look today? We don't look to mediums. We don't, I don't even know what a medium is, you know, but it's kind of a spiritualist or something like that. We still have those around. If you go about certain places, you'll see palm readers and all kinds of people out there in, in different locations, but we don't do that. But we look at the experts. And who are the experts we look to today to solve our problems? Politicians? No. People in industry? No. People that are authorities, uh, 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 people in uh, scholars, we look for those type of people to, to, to solve the problems of the world, the evil and the ignorance in the world, but we can't figure it out ourselves. I mean, I was, I was watching already, you know, you can't help it, but already I was watching a talk show the other day. I don't, usually don't do that, but I, I was interested by the what they were talking about. And, and I don't even remember what the talk show was. It was just flipping through the channels. I was really bored and uh, I should have been reading something else, but I just flipped through the channel. I was, it was one of those mindless 15 minute times. You just, you know, go it. And this guy was talking about, he was talking about, and I wrote down what he said. He says, the meaning of Christmas, this person, this authority on the talk show, everybody's an authority on a talk show. Uh, the authority said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. And you know what he's saying? He's saying that we have the light within us. That's what he's saying. And, and we're the ones who can dispel the darkness of the world. We can, we can overcome violence and evil ourselves because we have it within us to do that. It's kind of like that song, remember years ago, We Are the World? You know? Yeah, we might be the world, but we don't have the answer to the problem. That's the problem that this talk show was about. So despite the sincerity of this guy in this talk show, uh, the person on the talk show, the message of Christmas is not that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. Actually, it's the opposite. One writer puts it this way. He says, humanity cannot save itself. He says, the belief that we can save ourselves, that some political system or ideology can fix human problems has only led to more darkness. 
And the other thing that we sometimes turn to is turn to science to illuminate things. And if you think that you're gonna, science is going to solve all the problems of the world, you probably end up even darker because science basically says that we were all an accident. There's a collision of atoms that came together. And because of that, we don't know where we're going. We don't know where we've been. And so we don't really have any hope at all. So the reality is here is this. The message of Christianity, though, is this. Is it something else since totally. The message of Christmas instead is this. Things really are this bad in the world. They really are. The Bible doesn't try to sugarcoat anything. And we, can, we can't heal our, or save ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. And the Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's what it said in Isaiah. That's what it says in the New Testament. There is light. There is a light outside of this world. And Jesus has brought that light to us to save us. And that's what Christmas is really all about. John 8, 12 says it this way. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's interesting to me as I was reading through this, how many verses, I was going through and reading all the verses that had the word light in it. You know how many verses that is? I don't even know, because there was so many of them. But the reality is, is this, this phraseology, this mindset is throughout Scripture, not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. And when Isaiah, going back to where we started today, when Isaiah speaks of God's light dawning on a dark world, he is using the sun as a symbol of light. Sunlight brings life, it brings truth, it brings beauty, it brings all kinds of things to us. First of all, the sun gives us life. What would happen if the sun went out? If it blinked off? If somebody turned a switch? If there is a switch? I guess God has a switch, I don't know. But, you know, if, if that happened, what would happen to you? Come on, guys, this, this, is, this is talk back time today. What would you do? You would die. Okay, I would die, you would die. It would be colder than it is in Illinois in January, which I am not looking forward to. Okay? It would be that way. The sun, we would freeze. The sun is the source of what? It's the source of life. Without the sun, we can't function. The Bible says that only in God do we live and move and have our being. That's what it says in Acts 17, 28. Only in God do we live and move and have, and, and have our being. We exist only because He is keeping us together every moment of every day. See, we're borrowing our being from Him. That's true not only of our physical body, but also of our spirit and our soul. See, according to the Bible, we've lost the original full right relationship we have with God. If you want to know where that comes from, read the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Verse, chapter 3, verses 1 through 24 talks about how we lost our relationship with God, but God made it right. He was the light that came and made it right. So first of all, he's a source of light. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. Secondly, the light shows us the truth. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever driven at night and your headlights didn't work? Anybody ever done that? I don't raise, okay, some of you raised your hand. I, I hope that you're still here. Miraculously, right? If you drive around with your headlights off and it's totally dark, no moon, nothing else, what's going to probably happen to you? You're going to wreck. Because you can't see where you're going. See, light reveals the truth of things, how they really are. And you will not have enough truth to steer the car safely if you don't have any light. So the, the Bible, too, also says that God is the source of all truth. In 1 John 1, 5 and 6, it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. 
In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. God's also, the light is the source of the truth as well. God's a source of that. See, at one level, and I don't know if you thought about this before, but I have a lot of time to think about this as I'm preparing messages, but go back and think about this. At one level, the only reason you and I can know anything is because of God. Who created us? Who created our minds? Who created us as beings? You're going, my mommy and daddy. No, who created us? Who got things started? Okay? God made your mind and your cognitive faculties. He, at another level, we can't possibly know who God is unless he reveals it to us because he's the unknown. Uh, he's unknown in, in a lot of ways. Only through him does your reasoning capacity work. And so that's what it, it, it talks about as well. Light gives us truth. Thirdly, light gives us joy. Light gives us joy. I came to understand this more clearly a few years ago when, um, when uh, um, I went to, when I was on the East Coast, we had a, a sister church in the state of Vermont. And have you ever been to Vermont? It's, it's a hugely traveled place, yeah. Now, thousands of people go there every 10 years. Uh, the reality is, is Vermont is a state that the whole population is like 200,000, the whole population of the whole state. And, uh, we, and we had this little sister church there, and we went up there, and we were talking to them, and it was no, there was no, there's no big cities. The largest city in Vermont is Burlington, Vermont. Ver, Burlington is like 20,000 people. It's on the shore of Lake Champlain. And uh, we were in a place called Plainfield, Vermont. Population, I don't know, because there was no sign for it. Just a bunch of little, place, little, little, little places. And as I was talking to these people in this little church up there, we were trying to help and support and do some stuff. I went up there three different times to, to minister up there and to kind of like help those folks and with a lot of things. They just need a lot of help because they didn't have any industry up there, nothing. And then one of the guys was talking to me and he said, you know that Vermont has the highest depression and suicide rate of almost any state in the nation. And I'm going like, really? He said, you know, you know why? He said, because we, we have, we're so far up and we so, it's so dark up here that we don't have a lot of light. And so people get depressed a lot more easily when they don't have light. And I, come to, I started studying about that. And the thing is, that is true because our serotonin level, you don't have to know all this, by the way, but our serotonin levels actually perk up. And serotonin is something that helps us to feel happy. You know, on, on cloudy days, you kind of feel, mm. And, and, and in winter, in Illinois, you kind of feel, mm. But if you go to Florida and you get out in the sun, what do you do? You go like, yay! It's called serotonin. It actually works in everybody that way. So up there in, in, in Vermont, when they're up there, it is true. I don't know if it's true. It's the worst of the, of the worst. But it's one of the worst because up there, when it starts snowing, we think it's bad here. When it starts snowing up there, it st starts snowing and it never goes away until spring. It keeps piling up and piling up and piling up and piling up. And eventually it all melts and then they have what they call mud season, which is a great time when everybody sinks into the mud about six, six to eight inches in the ground, no matter what you do. It's a really great place to live. Anyway, uh... What was I? Oh, what gives us joy? And, and so it's literally true that, you know, if you only have a few hours of daylight during the winter, this time of year, how many of you, you going like, this is your favorite time of year, not Christmas. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about when it gets dark, it's still dark at seven o'clock in the morning. It gets dark, it gets light at seven o'clock in the morning. It gets dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to happen real soon. Isn't that a great, aren't you excited about it? No, not me either. So the, the deal is, is, it's because it actually affects you. The light gives you joy. 
And the light of the world is the source of our joy. We need light for joy. God is the source of all beauty and joy. St. Augustine famously said these words, Our hearts are restless until they find the rest in thee. See, all joy is really found in God, and anything else we do is a derivative of that joy because you're really looking for him whether you know it or not. So God alone then is, is the source of life, truth, and joy, and we cannot have them unless, we can't generate them ourselves unless we connect with God. Now, the, probably the most famous verse that we're going to look at today, we're going to focus on this the remainder of our few minutes here this morning, is this. It's, it's verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 9. Uh, this is what we hear all the time during the Christmas season, and it's it actually uh, in Handel's Messiah as well. Uh, for, us to, for us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. See, the text tells us that light has come to us for what reason? Because a child is born. God chose to send us light in the form of a child. That's the strangest thing that we can think of because people weren't looking for a child. They were looking for a warrior, a savior who would come and, and, and give victory. But this child brings it. He's, he's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. It's remarkable that those four descriptions are only used on, on one other person in the world. God. Just in God. No one else can, can have that kind of description. There's nothing like this claim in any other religion. He is a human being, however. He's just not just some kind of avatar of the divine. He's God. It's almost too liber uh, limiting to say that we celebrate this at Christmas because it's kind of lame to say that. Because when we realize who he is and what he's done, uh, we can't just, just celebrate it. We have to fall at his feet. See, if Jesus Christ is really mighty God and everlasting Father, you can't just like him. Because that's not the way people responded to the baby. That's not why people responded to Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. They either responded to him with indifference, or they responded to him with, with being scared of him, or furious with him, or they knelt down to worship him. They had strong opinions about him. And second, if Jesus is wonderful counselor and prince of peace, you should want to serve him. You should want to serve him. Why is, it, why is he called a counselor? Because when you're going through something difficult, don't you want a God who actually knows what it's like to be you? No other religion can claim that. Because every other God of every other religion is a God who's far off and somewhere else. Only in Christianity do we have a God who's stayed and walked among us and understood us and experienced pain and suffering and the consequences of sin and other people's lives. Only, that, only our, our God is that kind of a God. See, in short, Jesus is the divine light of the world because he brings a new life to replace our spiritual deadness. Because he shows us the truth that heals our spiritual blindness. And because he's the beauty that breaks our addictions to money, sex, and power. The, the things that, that hinder us all the time. So, the question today is, we want to conclude with is this. How do we receive the light? How do we receive the light? How do we receive the light? Well, I don't know if I would conclude with that, but that's one of the ones we want to talk about. Well, it says here, for us a child is born, to us a son is given. It doesn't say we earn the son, it says it's given, it's a gift. And it can only be yours if you receive it as a gift of grace, a gift of forgiveness that God has given to us. 
See, verse 5 hits at this as well. Now, when I was looking at this, I thought verse 5 was totally out of context. I'm going like, what in the world is he talking about here in verse 5 when you read this? Because verse 5 says in Isaiah 9, says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be the fuel of life. And then he says, For unto us a child is given, for unto us a son is born. And you're going like, what? That's what I, when I first read that. But then I realized the context of what he's talking about here is this. He's saying like, Everything that we try to do ourselves, every war, every battle we try to fight, every garment we do, all those will be destined for destruction because it's something God's going to do himself. He said, those are, those are worthless. See, Isaiah doesn't tell us here you have to wait until you get to the, uh, how we're going to get, get God's uh, love in our life and how we're going to get God's joy in our life and get, get God's peace in our life. What he says to us, he says to us, uh, he says, you can't do it. Everything you've tried to do is going to be destroyed. And it's not until you get to the end of Isaiah, chapters 42 through 55, which is called the Servant Songs, do you understand, does he tell us what it is that, that who, who the person is that's going to give us this, this great victory, and who's going to give us who this child is. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says it this way. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And the thing we have to understand here that we're not saying, well, I, I flipped over a, a few verses there. Okay, here we go. A few more. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. And when we trust in Christ's work on our behalf, rather than our own efforts, God forgives us and accepts us and implants His Holy Spirit in us to renew us from the inside out. Christmas is about receiving presents. Do you all think that's true? Yes, it is. But not the kind of presents you think you're going to get. Christmas is about receiving presents. And some gifts, by their very nature, make you swallow your pride. Let me give you a couple examples of that. What if somebody this Christmas in just about, let's see, it's about a month from now, right? About a month from now gave you, imagine opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. What would you think? What would you think? You would think, I'm not sure what this means. Are they trying to say something to me? Then the next gift you opened was a book about overcoming selfishness. What would you think then? Would you thank the person, the two people that gave you those two gifts? And would you take off the wrappers and say, well, thank you. Uh, and by admitting, by accepting those gifts, what you're saying is, I must be indeed fat and obnoxious. Right? That's what I would think if somebody gave me those two gifts. See, some gifts are hard to receive. But the gift that God wants to give us at Christmas is probably the hardest gift of all to receive. Because, you know, I mean, I, there's been times when a friend has different times in my life, maybe different times in your life, or you've done this as well, somebody's gone, going through financial hard, hardships and you know that they're going through financial hardships. 
And so what do you do? You offer them some help? Is it hard for that person to take the gift? Usually it is. Usually it is. Because of pride. But there's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths of the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. See, Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. Nothing. That means that you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a good moral life on your own merits. See, to accept the true gift of Christmas, you have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to, uh, that you need to be saved by something called grace, which means God's undeserved, unmerited favor. And you need to give up control of your life. And that is descending lower than most of us want to go. Yet Jesus Christ's greatness is seen in how far he came to love us. In our spiritual renewal, our regeneration, that's a big Bible word, eventually an eventual greatness will be achieved by going down the same path that Jesus went, and he descended into the greatness. And the Bible says that only through repenting, turning from our sins, that you come into his light. When we go further in Scripture, when Jesus dies upon the cross, what happens to the world right as he dies upon the cross? It says in Matthew 27, 45, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land. He came into the world as light. But when he went and he left the world momentarily, darkness descended. The light had come, but now the light was out of the world for a period of time. The light of the world descended into darkness in order to bring us into God's beautiful light. And we have to come to the point in our life, and I hate to tell you this, that the greatest Christmas gift you could ever receive is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but you have to come to a place in your life where you say to a, I can't do it myself. That's what a powerful gift. If you want to receive God's light, you have to admit you can't do it yourself. 1 Peter 2, 9 says it this way, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, the promises of Christmas cannot be understood or discerned unless you admit you cannot save yourself or even know yourself without the light of his unmerited grace and favor in your life. See, God's, God with us, Christmas, has its roots and its theology and its history in these verses all the way back in Isaiah. We think Christmas is the New Testament thing, right? It's about all about Jesus. It's, it's, it's about God and how he came into the world to bring light to the world. And we won't understand Christmas until we understand the purpose of his coming. God with us. But the good news is that God who is with us is a God who wants to turn our darkness into light, our conflict into peace, our loss into abundance, our despair into joy. If a God like that is with us, that is good news for all of eternity. He is with us. The child born of a virgin is the son of David. He's also the son of God. How does that work? How could he be both? I don't know. Don't ask me. But he is because the Bible says he is. He's, he's both God and man. And that's a mystery that I don't think any of us can figure out exactly how that works. 
And the contemporary significance of this passage of Scripture comes down to this. Have we allowed the child king, which he was both, to take over the control of our lives? Only then can we know the benefits of God with us. We cannot have the light, the joy, the abundance, the peace that he offers in any other way. Because he came, what difference does it make in your life? Let's, let's just bow our heads right now, and let's just think about that question. God came as the light of the world. Because of him, we can have light in our life. We can have wholeness in our life. Have you experienced... Have you experienced in your life the removal of stress and fear and started to experience the joy of God even in the midst of the chaos of this world? Has the fact that God came to us at Christmas made a difference in your life? I would challenge each one of us during this Christmas season to ask that question. Because he came, because he came, what difference has it made in our lives? What difference will it make in our lives for the future? And, and what difference can it, can it make in the lives of those around us that we love as well? What's the most important thing that we can do during this Christmas season? Is it giving gifts? That's nothing wrong with that. Is it uh, eating a lot? Yeah, there's not nothing wrong with that in moderation. Is it uh, traveling to see family and friends? That's a great thing to do. More than anything, can we simply celebrate and worship God for what he's done? And that means that we place him first in all that we do. Because he came, what difference has it made in your life? That's the question for this Christmas season. That's the question that each one of us must answer independently of anybody else around us. And the answer to that question really affects our current, the way we live, and ultimately where, where we live eternity. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your incredible love. Thank you for the fact that you loved us so much if you gave your son, Jesus Christ, but God, he first came as a baby, as a light to the world at Christmas. And in doing so, what happened was he, um, he just did some incredible things in our life, God, which we cannot do. God, I don't understand how he's both man and God. But I don't need to understand that to believe it's true. Because, God, you can do things that I can't understand. But at the same time, I trust and believe that Jesus is the answer to every need in our life. To our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, our relational needs, all the things that we have in our life, God. May we truly learn to place our trust in you and to, to live in the light as you want us to. That we won't be people who, who are fearful all the time or people that are ignorant of what the answer is to, to ultimate truth in this world. Guide us now this morning, God, during this Christmas season that each one of us would, 
be empowered and free to say to, to, to you, God, God, we can't, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need you every minute, every hour. I need you to be the light that only you can bring. But God, the good news is you brought the light into this world through your son, Jesus Christ. The light that shines in the darkness and removes the fear, the dread, and all those things that are still out there. Even though we live in a dark, dark world, we have nothing to dread and nothing to fear. Thank you, God, for your incredible love. God, us now, as we go through this Christmas season, that we'll every day ask that question, because he came, how has it made a difference in my life? And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.